Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everyone doing? Welcome to another Shadow Whispers in the Night broadcast with myself, Aidan, and the wonderful Jenny Sullivan Sonyasi. You got it right. Yes, I did. <laughs> and today with us, we've got the very brilliant Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, this Saturday evening. We're on the same time zone. Yeah. Right enough. Huh? Right enough. It is. It is the same time zone. It is. It is. It is. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm doing well. Yes. It's lovely to see you again. It's lovely to be back. It's nice to have you back on. Yeah, we chat before this. I tell you, we're going to be normal now. Oh, Lordy, we always have this maniac running around, running around. Um, <laughs> this is Jillian. We're going to say hi to a few guys here. We're going to say good evening, Miss Tracy J. Tracy's uh, coming over to Ireland in August to do uh, Lab Castle with us. Yes. Looking forward to it, Tracy. To do Lab Castle with us. We have a huge fan here, Nick Muley. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Uh, we have Haley. Good evening, Haley. We have Jillian. How are you? Uh, we have fabulous Pamela. We have Charles. Hello from, oh, Texas. from Texas. And we have the fabulous Mary Nolan. Um, so, guys, if you have any questions, um, throw them in. Throw them in. We're here uh, for two hours. You've got the three of us for two hours. Um, <laughs> so... We're going to... Uh... No, sorry, ladies and gentlemen. You've got Jenny for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy, help me. I just want to say, everyone, sad news. It's Aiden's last night doing the show. Yeah. Because he has work commitments coming up. So, um, but he will be popping in now yes, and again. He will be in. popping in. And I will definitely, I will be on the Emerald Day Paranormal Researchers team for good. And that's a fact. That's separate. Oh, look, we heard it here now. <laughs> That's a fact. Everyone, but I've got, I'm also I'm on I'm honoured that this is your last night. You see, uh, yeah. I'm your last guest, really. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Pretty much, your last yeah. guest, Aiden. Exactly. Yeah. So I am honoured. Yeah. I keep I... I keep rowing the boat, sailing the ship, and I keep soaking the fire. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> What's this? Side of a guilty conscience. <laughs> oh my God! Sorry. All, right. All right, Jillian. Uh, I know. Oh, that's okay, Tracy. You're here anyway. I yeah. do understand. I do understand. Hey, Miss Chantel. Chantel is from fabulous South Africa. She oh. is great crack. She's oh. fantastic. Was oh, that the the sadistic? Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, bad luck, guys. You'll have me on with Jenny when I can. You will. Tracy always jumps in. She does. Tracy oh, always yeah. jumps in. Tracy's yeah. my uh. She stands in now, and Tracy, you've got a lot work, more work to do because yeah, Aiden is... Yeah, you'll be the second in command now. <laughs> Aiden is abandoning <laughs> ship and getting onto a big island of lighthouses. Anyhow, um, hey... Oh, oh, no, I know that's David Childers. <laughs> Daddy! <laughs> Ex-wifey. Uh, you never told me that, Daddy, that you... Ex-wifey. Would, um, would, would, would uh, Zesty want a sister wife? No? Open, open up. Nope. We'll talk later. We'll talk later, David. I see you as Facebook user. Um, so anyhow, let's start the show. Enough yep. of us ranting on. Yep. Let's start a show. Aiden, would you like to start? Tonight is your night. 
Is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's news to me. I love throwing him in. Yeah, like you did the last. Oh, but we'll not go that far. But we're not going. Put my. Put my So, Doctor Karen, what is a parapsychologist? Explain what a parapsychologist does. Um, yeah, there's a very basic definition, which is scientific study of the paranormal. But the issue is, what is the word paranormal? What does that mean? It can mean so many different things. So when we talk about parapsychology and the scientific study of it, we're actually only talking about the scientific study of three areas of the paranormal. One is ESP, extrasensory perception. The other is PK. And the third area is survival research or after-death communication and when we talk about ESP we mean telepathy, precognition and clairvoyance, three alleged kind of mind abilities. PK of course is bending or moving objects with your mind. I was just about to say bending spoons wasn't I? <laughs> Can't think why. <laughs> but it's about moving objects and then of course the last area which you're all too familiar with, survival research, which is our term that we use for any sort of after-death communication or evidence of survival after death. So mediumship, hauntings, even poltergeist research, that sort of thing. So that's parapsychology in a nutshell, those three main areas. I love that. What got you into it? What got you into well, I was always fascinated by ghost stories anyway. From a young age, I was reading stuff I should never have read. Stephen King, James <laughs> Herbert, Sean Hudson, Clive Barker, H.P. Lovecraft, M.R. James. My parents were genuinely worried about me. So, you know, even as a young boy, seven, eight-year-old, reading those sorts of ghost stories, I had a fascination. But the honest answer genuinely honest answer why i got into parapsychology is because of ghostbusters I, oh my god simple as that as simple as that all the other stuff fascinated by ghosts i watched arthur c Clarke's unexplained series that he had on television mysterious world and all of that that was fascinating but yeah when i saw that film i was only a, a young boy at the time saw that film i thought that that's what i want to do i want to be a parapsychologist because that's what they are. But mm. Jesus, if I could get a proton pack in a car like that, I'd be laughing. Like, so that's what I wanted to do. And that really, it planted a seed. And whilst I ended up studying and traveling the world, doing many different things, music, psychology, I was a chef for a while, I did loads of other things, but there was always that seed. And I always did paranormal investigations and ghost hunts and was always fascinated by it and ended up doing an undergraduate degree, specialising in it, then a master's and then a PhD. And yeah, there you go. So Ghostbusters was really the the blame. Did you see at the beginning of the intro, we have Ghostbusters on it? Yes. We have I'm this very <laughs> pleased. Very pleased. Myself and my 11-year-old daughter was doing the intro and we have when we're young starting out and then we have the, the the movie where all of them were all of them were together and then we have that painting with the eyes. oh yes in the, yes absolutely in, the, in number two yes we have to put that up sorry my my computer keeps making sounds a lot I have, of people are... I, have a big I have i have a painting off figure the computer in my room it's just like a big a3 you're kidding a3. just looking straight down at you have that. I'm just going to use my Ghostbusters mug tonight. 
I do love Ghostbusters. I do. I have a lot of stuff here of Ghostbusters. Who, who doesn't like Ghostbusters? Because Ghostbusters, I, everyone, you always, <laughs> even if they're not into the paranormal, you will always hear, you'll always be just start discussing about Ghostbusters somehow. Yeah, although, 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 Aidan, you, you say that, and I think you're absolutely right now, but I remember phew, about 15 years ago um, when I was still, I've been a parapsychologist for, for donkey's years now, but being a parapsychologist, but also doing various things in the States um, and in the UK, and I remember being over in the States with the Ghost Hunters guys, the TAPS guys, um, oh, Jason really? Horse and Grant Wilson yes. in in Florida. Yeah. We ended up working together um, in, in Florida, and I remember then a lot of people sh shunning Ghostbusters. If you said you like Ghostbusters, they're like, no, 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 because they wanted to be seen as serious ghost hunters. Oh, and, wow! And yet the culture's changed now because why not like Ghostbusters? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're not serious. It just means you like the film Ghostbusters. You know, yes. Bring out the proton packs and all that stuff. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I remember going to the Love cinema it. to watch it with my daughter and we were watching it and I'm going to say I got a little emotional. I did. And I said to my daughter who's 18 and I said, and I was like, Jessica, Jessica, they're all here to watch Ghostbusters, but little do they know there's a real Ghostbuster among them. <laughs> <laughs> they're not lying on that screen it's real I almost wore my uniform to advertise the team and I said there's a real ghostbuster among you all little children it's real <laughs> that would have been brilliant if you'd done that I should have oh, worn my T-shirt. Or, or not even that. Just bring bring in the briefcase and start bringing out the EMF detectors and all. And, oh, <laughs> yes. I should have done or just it. Bring it. Or just bring in a smoking ghost trap. And then just say, oh, by the way, I am a ghost. I am a real ghost. And then just hold it up. Don't yeah. panic. <laughs> I'm here. Last night. Don't panic. And Slimer is coming through the, <laughs> the screen. You should have brought you with the Slimer. You are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord, I have a few questions here. I want to throw Gee, some questions. I have a lot here. Yeah. Um, oh, goodness. I'm laughing a uh, Okay. Okay. So we have a question from Charles Rudd. Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, after these years, where do you stand now on spirit study? Spirit study. Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, uh, I don't stand any differently. So spirit study, we're talking about two different things. We're talking about studying spirit in a laboratory, so doing work with mediums, which I've done for 25 years now, doing experimental mm. work with mediums, and I still do that. I still do that. Uh, you know, even yeah. though people know me as a sceptic, sceptic just means that I'm open-minded. It doesn't mean I'm a cynic. Yeah. So right. when you talk about mediums and, and me being able to communicate with the dead, yeah. I love the idea that that is possible i absolutely love the idea that's possible so even though i started my experimental research on it 25 years ago i still do it because you know i'm i'm, I'm hoping to capture it in the lab to be able to show that it is possible so that's one side of spirit study i guess the question is also asking the other side of spirit study which is the ghost busting side or the ghost hunting side and where do i stand on it i don't stand i don't stand any differently other than two key points, and one is that I'm more sympathetic and empathic to people's experiences than I ever have been. Uh -huh. um, 
I was never cynical about people's experiences, but I guess because I've been involved in this field now for over 35 years, I have heard so many experiences and witnessed people having experiences mm -hmm. that I'm more sympathetic about it and more yeah. you know empathic about it and that empathy and sympathy helps when i'm talking to other scientists who are dismissive of people's wanting no, experiences i like that just, yeah just say how you know you've got no grounds on which to be arrogant and say that it's all fraud or it's all hallucination oh, until you until you spent time with people having these experiences or until you spent time talking to people about their experiences then you can get a real sense so so I guess my stand on spirit study hasn't changed mm. apart from that, as in, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, more yeah. sympathetic, more empathic. The other thing is I, I published a study over the lockdown, did some work looking at environmental explanations for haunting experiences, infrasound, EMF, that sort of stuff. And as skeptics, we frequently roll out those excuses for people's experiences and say, oh, it could be down to this, it could be down to that. And I got yeah. together with I got together with a group and we we analyzed all of the research that had been done on all of those environmental things. And at the end of it, we published the study because we said, you know what? The evidence is not there for this environmental stuff. We keep rattling it out and saying, oh, this is this is a good explanation for this. Uh -huh. It's not at you all. See, I love and, that you think like that. I really do. Because, you know, <clears throat> when when like investigators go out and we get really unexplainable amazing um things such as you know evps which is i i am just all about the evps yeah. i am oh my goodness am i about the evps uh and we've had pretty good we've EVPs. had rock i tell you class a EVPs. awesome EVPs. absolutely <clears throat> and then for you to be open-minded that you're saying you know because i do remember uh sending a piece of audio on to someone and it it's clear as day what was going on in it. And this person is saying, can't hear anything. No, and, but it's very clear. You could hear it and shut me down and, and just said no. And um, it was too frustrating, too frustrating. But the fact that you would be very open-minded. Yeah, very open-minded. But also but also, what you've what you got to remember, Jenny, is that um, as a scientist, there's two things it would be arrogant of us to ignore the experiences that people have mm -hmm. and arrogant of us to be dismissive of it. If anything, there's almost, I feel, an obligation on scientists like parapsychologists to, in, to investigate the stuff more because thousands upon thousands of people are having these experiences and it doesn't matter. There's no, you know, there's no gender difference. There's no... Are we making your job occupation. harder? Yes, are we, you are we making a job? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing is, the other thing is that um, uh, you're doing the research. So I'm a parapsychologist doing the research, and I'm doing the research in the lab. But I'm also yeah. a ghost hunter at heart, so I'll go out and yeah. do ghost hunting and have my way that I approach things. But you know, yourself, Emerald Isle, the t the team, the other ghost hunters on the on the call, you'll have your way of ghost hunting. But it's still research. Oh, absolutely! Oh my gosh! You know, it's still research. It may it may not be the experimental research that I do in the lab, but you get you you capturing EVPs or measuring EMFs or uh -huh. capturing people's experiences. It's still research. 
isn't it? You know, it's yeah. ultimately what got, got all of us in the game is yeah. the experiences and the evidence that we can capture. And not, not every, you know, I know we've been to locations before and you'd have a very active night and then you go again and it's a very quiet night. And we love it because it shows, it shows like we are dedicated and everyone who does it dedicated to our work, our findings. Um, yeah. We're not here to say, well, look, at you know, it, it's real, it's real. Yeah. The field is open up to everyone, whether you believe it or not. But there is something there, I'm just saying. Um, but, and even at that as well, like whenever we're, we always like I forget something. I forget like EVPs, or I forget. We always we don't just jump straight to conclusion. We always kind of go right. Yeah. Could this have caused that? Could it have been natural, or like a, a natural occurrence that for it to cause like a, a, a creaking floor? He's board? a good student. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you very much. He's going to give out to me tonight. He's a good student. Sorry, Aiden. I'm, I'm the best. I'm the best of the best. Yeah, you're good. You're good. We work hard and we play hard. Oh yes, it's all. But take it serious too. But take it. We may we have, about and all, but we're doing yeah. really get down to the business. You know, yeah. Whatever it's, if something happens, I'm like Aiden. I will. Me. I, I go. Go look. Find out what it is. Aiden, I'm going to the bathroom. Stand outside the door. Yes. Yes. Literally. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> she, she can't go to the bathroom on her own. I'm not afraid to say it. Yes. I've seen enough, heard enough, and felt enough to know. Yeah, but, yeah, but you've heard enough, felt enough, but you know that it can't cause it won't cause harm so why do you still have to have somebody go to the bathroom because even though i stand outside the door ah, but she's a, she's afraid she's as much afraid of the living as she is of the dead let you me still need help. a guard of the bathroom don't you let me let me yeah, i can tell you this much see if i hear something i'm away <laughs> i'm not hanging about it's the two of us it's like lauren hardy uh <laughs> i have questions here that i have to ask sorry i have questions that we have to ask um, from uh, Cecilia, EVPs are the best evidence to a paranormal investigator besides an apparition. Mm. Yes. Yes. No. I, yeah. I, I, not many would see apparitions. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's personal. So I think what Cecilia is saying there is personal. I think we talk to a lot of ghost hunters now that, and they'll say EVP is the best evidence. Yeah. But why is EVP the best evidence? Is it because it's because ghost hunters are finding it easier to capture. And that is why it's the best evidence, because you're getting the repeatable evidence. Because ultimately, I have always said, even as a teenage boy, the best evidence for somebody personally surely is seeing an apparition. That would be ultimately the best evidence. But if, if you see an apparition, I mean, I know from all of my training now... People always said to me, what would it take to truly convince you, persuade okay. you? And I've had a few experiences, but what would it really take to convince you? And I used to say, if I saw an apparition. But now I say, if I saw an apparition and somebody else saw the same thing and it yeah. was filmed at the same time. You know, so yeah. when we talk about apparitions, it could be the best evidence personally because mm -hmm. you've actually seen something and yeah. it's amazing. But I guess maybe what Cecilia is trying to make a point here and what you guys are saying as well is EVP may come across as the best evidence because it it it's starting to build a reputation as being reliable mm -hmm. from Ghost Hunter's perspective, but also you've got <laughs> something tangible, some evidence that you can pass on to others. You can't yeah. pass on and say, oh, I saw that apparition. It's fleeting. That it's gone. You didn't capture it. That's that's so yeah. so true. I remember I and I did see one and I would 
hundred. Oh, I did. We, we, yeah, but we. Is that, is that no, down, this is no, down this is. We both seen one at the same time. No, no, no. This was totally different. This oh. was in a place up in the north of Ireland called Shane's Castle, and I was sitting in the car with one of the team members. We were a little late to location, and they were all doing their stuff underneath the tunnels. And um, we were sitting in the car, and I looked over, and the light was on outside, and I saw this solid black figure, as black as my my t-shirt, side profile, short hair, um, chin, neck, shoulders down to the waist, walking by, walking from from uh, right to left, and I'm kind of trying to understand this, and I I kind of like said nothing, kind of registering in it. And my my friend who was sitting in the car with me said, oh, my God, did you just see that? And I looked at her and I gulped. Yes. What did you see? And she said, I saw waist and legs walking by. And I said, I saw the top half. And I said, put the key in the ignition now. Lock the doors. And I was getting closer to her. <laughs> getting closer. Because <laughs> I... I'm not kidding it. I tell I you, <laughs> it's God is my judge. We see, I see that. We seen it, but guess what? It wasn't captured on video. See, that's always the way. That always seems yeah. to be the way that it's always usually. It's just personal, personal experience that we did have it, and it did happen. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 but it, and that's and that's the key. That's the key thing, and that's what I mean about the best evidence. That experience there is amazing. It's Absolutely blown, amazing. Oh, just. Mind. It seriously blows my mind even just hearing it. it but it's was, but it's your own personal experience. So when yeah, we say when we say what is the best evidence, mm. I think there's two forms of best evidence. There's the best evidence, which is what is the best best evidence for you personally, yes. yeah, um, and then what is the best evidence that is materialistic or is tangible, it's something concrete that you can then pass on to others. And yeah. I think that's EVP, because if, if seriously, if we're debating what is the best evidence, if you have photographs and you have video, they're debatable. Mm -hmm. we, we know now with apps, okay. but also there's problems with photography yeah. and video. There's people faking it, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Whereas with the EVPs, it just feels more evidential than that, you know, the, the visual is, stuff. I could sit for hours and do audio, and it, it took me a long time to allow myself to people have different hearing and they don't always hear what I hear and it took me a long time and then when we do audio please we should record us doing audio oh, God, geez, yeah. sorry, we should um I've got questions here sorry um okay for oh this is Rosie he is <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, we had to do a back video so Aiden could like I could like <laughs> move his chin up and down like a puppet. I am Aiden. <laughs> yes, yes, he yes he is. Yes, he very much is. Oh gosh. Um question from Pamela. If not coming from environmental sources, from where might these experiences be coming? What is your lab research showing? Oh, it's a brilliant question. I'm not saying it's not coming from environmental sources. The, the the prime suspects would be environment and psychology. So mm. we talk about environmental explanations, infrasound, EMF, uh, GMF, um, humidity, temperature, but then also psychology. Think about things like belief, suggestion, even states of mind as well can affect you to such an extent and think you're having experience. So it's it's all of that. I think that there's it's too complex. 
So I think we're in a position now as para, as parapsychologists, especially with this recent work that I've published, to say, look, the environmental explanations such as infrasound or EMF or GMF or humidity, no matter what it is, if we are being true scientists, then we should be saying there is evidence for this stuff. And the evidence is just not there. The research has not been done. However, mm. however, they are good alternative explanations for what's going on. So somebody feels, you know, uh, uh, feel a touching sensation on their arm, for example. You could look for, you know, electrostatic fields, for example, and say, well, that might affect your skin in a particular way. Or if somebody feels, a, you know, a, a sense of presence and they feel a little bit odd, you might say, well, that could be infrasound. But we're only dealing in likelihoods and possibilities. We can't yet, because of the science, say there is reliable evidence to say it's infrasound or it's EMF or this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. The yeah. same way that there are, there are some interesting themes of research, and some of it I've been involved in myself, looking at the idea of suggestion, the psychology side. Where if you say to somebody that place is haunted, they're more likely to interpret quite mundane things as being paranormal because you've told them that that place is haunted, as opposed okay. to just walking into an office block. So, you know, so you've got those two things there. My personal opinion is because we're not in a position to say what environmental explanations could account for the majority of experiences i think what we're looking at is an incredibly complex mix of possible explanations that can also include supernatural explanations mm -hmm. and that's what i've said again in some recent work in a book that i've got coming out we were asked about our bios and the publisher said we want you to tell us exactly where your standpoint is on all of this stuff now, having done all of this research, published, what is your standpoint? And I said, my standpoint is that I feel ghostly experiences are potentially a, mi a complex mix of the environment, psychology, and potentially something supernatural. And that's where I stand. You know, if you if you were to ask me in 20 years time, what is the research showing us? Or potentially even 10 years, I don't think any less than that. But if you ask me maybe in a decade's time, where are we with understanding the environment? Mm. My gut sense is some of the environmental explanations will explain a small percentage of the experiences, five, 10%. But actually what the research will start to do will be starting to discount some of these explanations, mm -hmm. you know, and leaning more yeah. towards the paranormal. Yeah. So that's where I come from, and that's where some of my research is pointing to at the moment. And still Good go back question. to what I said, and we're making your job harder for you. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I love you. I don't know where you are. I love your answer. <laughs> yes, you bastard. Mary Nolan is uh, saying, I worked as a tour guide in a haunted building paranormal investigative teams would often come in and carry out investigations and i soon realized that were teams out there were, who were only in it for the entertainment and has no ethics or respect for the paranormal absolutely and it was very sad to see absolutely it's you kind of like a trill night a trill mm -hmm. night and i'm yeah. sure even for investigators and researchers it is also a trill night but we we work seriously yeah. we respect the building we respect the people who's in the building we work yeah. hard to to also get our evidence but it's like 
when we hear something or feel something, it's a thrill. Mm. But we also leave with, you know, with wanting to do the analyzing afterwards. We're not there to say, hey, it was great fun and we're leaving. We work bloody hard at it. Yeah. A lot of teams work hard at it, you know. But I think I think you're right. I think you're right, Jenny. There's lots of different approaches and motivations for ghost hunting. You know, on any given weekend, you're going to have groups or you're going to have individuals that will be going and paying for a ghost hunt because it's like a roller coaster ride and it's simple as that. You know, so the point yeah. there about entertainment, yes, I get it. Absolutely, I get it. And to it to an extent, I don't have an issue if the motivation is entertainment, that they just want to be scared. I don't have an issue with that. The issue yeah. that I have is if you're going to do that, but mm-hmm. like you said, if you're going to do that but disrespect the location, you know, and a complete lack of ethics, then mm-hmm. that's totally wrong. It's totally wrong. But if you're there, you know, if you're there for a scary time, a spooky time, and you still have respect for the location, yeah. you know, still, you know, ethical, then that's absolutely fine. As long as you're, as long as you're doing that, and then not afterwards saying, oh, and you know, we did this scientific investigation, and and this is what we found. Bollocks, you did. You know, you were there for the you were there for the crack. You know, you weren't you weren't well, doing anything. Yeah. You know. I remember when I said I'm looking for people for Left Castle, and I said I would like people to come. And I'm sorry, I'd like people to come who's never been in an investigation before because I want fresh meat. <laughs> I want fresh meat because I want to sacrifice them, and sometimes maybe to prove a little bit as well. I know I'm just being that ours. But yeah, I do, I do. But I want fresh meat, so I need four more places. That's a big, that's a big, that's a, a big confession on a Saturday night. That that last phrase. No. <laughs> Dr. Kieran, would you would you like to join us at Lap Castle then? What's, what's... Oh, Aiden. There you go. What's, that would what's... be amazing, wouldn't it? Aiden, Aiden, yeah, you'd come up. Yeah, Lap Castle. I was just gonna say here with Gillian saying, uh, "Oh no," she said, "I, I," she said, "I did," yes, I spelled it wrong. Kieran, you were in Chalvel Castle and Most Haunted were going around the castles and awfully. It's a fabulous, fabulous castle. That's you a know? that's a really good question because before I officially before I officially joined Most Haunted, <laughs> I did some investigations with Most Haunted, but it was kind of as a as a guest. I hadn't actually joined the team. Mm. And I ended up in the first I did about four or five before we announced that I was officially going to join the team. Oh, that's very kind of you, Karen. Um, <laughs> right. I did four or five. I did a couple in Holland, and right. then we came over to Ireland, and we did, I think, two or three locations, and it was Kinnity. Oh, uh, nice. Kinnity yeah. Castle, which, of course, Beautiful you know thing. very well, and Castle right. Leslie up there on the borders, Castle Been Leslie. There. Yeah, amazing place. So I did those. I don't remember doing Charleville, though as part of that you know um series of investigations they most haunted might have done it since so they might have been back to ireland and done a few classes since no yeah jillian would know more about yeah but no i did i definitely did kinnity and castle leslie with the team but i don't remember there being an awfully but fantastic yeah brilliant places um i want to show this question up from paul obi-wan roland hi everyone hi paul Kieran, have you ever had an uh, have you had an experience a paranormal experience you could not explain? This this is for dramatic effect. There's a long pause. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he did. Oh, he's, he's he did. <laughs> the uh, well, it's a tough one. The answer is no. 
But the reason why is because let me let me phrase it in a different way. Uh, you know, I've got amazing respect for Paul, and is a I've known Paul for for years and years and years, especially with his um, amazing inventions and the the, the gadgets yeah. that he creates as well, which is oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I've met him a few times as well, which is brilliant. And I guess if I'm being honest with you, Paul, I would like to say there have been head scratching moments. And the reason why I call them head-scratching moments is because potentially they could have been paranormal, but I could always offer alternative explanations. Okay. But as you well know, a lot of these experiences, they're fleeting, they're gone. And so uh -huh. you can't then go back and then analyse the environment or analyse my state of mind to go, was it uh -huh. that? Because if you're going back to do it, then unfortunately you're in a situation where things have changed even if you even if it was 10 minutes later and going back but there have been a, a couple one of them was ss great britain mm. a ship that was moored in bristol and i walked into the lower class accommodation area and i felt spooked there's no better way of putting it genuinely felt spooked um it might have been because of the mannequins there were mannequins in there which i hate um oh, but i just I, I genuinely felt spooked so that was one Another location is um, Battery Myris in Guernsey on the Channel Islands, which is a, uh, a sec uh, Second World War Nazi bunker. <clears throat> and there were a couple of things that happened there that were very, very odd. I was there actually with um, my wife, Anna, before anybody else had arrived. So we were doing a recce of the location and she wouldn't go in. She, she the place freaks her out kind of understandably mm -hmm. um and uh in that location i went deep dark into the bunker with a camera by myself and she was outside nobody else around and she heard footsteps approach her shouted out kieran you know is that everything all right and the footsteps stopped shuffled as if they turned around and then ran back into the bunker oh, she looked around as they were doing this and realized it wasn't me shouted out i heard her shout out and i ran back to where she was which took a good two three minutes because it's a you know wow. it's quite a network when about come back to find her white as a sheet and say oh, somebody just approached me you know just came up to the steps and yeah i mean i could hear wow. i could hear the 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 fright in her mm -hmm. voice when she called my name i thought she'd fallen yeah. over or something bad had yeah. happened so so that happened and then there was some weird thing that was captured on camera as well so yeah there's been a few things head scratching moments but i guess for me it's slightly different because i have probably had 150 200 experiences that other people might say are paranormal but because yeah. i know the explanations for them yeah. i don't regard them as paranormal so it's about perspective it's about belief it's about that sort of thing but ultimately even just those key head scratching moments mm -hmm. those are the nuggets that kind of keep you in the game that you know like you said jenny at the beginning you can do investigations and you can be some places where nothing happens and you don't yeah. capture anything, you know, and it it recognizes and, and gives weight to those other other situations where things do happen. Yes. But yeah. also having those little things happen, you know, over your career keeps you interested in it, keeps you realizing, oh, there's something there, you know, there must be something in it. So 
good That's question. It, I mean, every year, I like every year, and I say, "Oh, I'm hanging up my recorders. <laughs> I'm hanging up my recorders. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done." And I do say as well, and I was speaking to Gillian as well. When we investigate, when we research, and we have a we have what we would consider good evidence, or what that's like I said, what we consider good evidence, and you know some video footage, and we do have one, um, or um, EVPs and whatnot. What more do we want? Like, how much more do we want until we're satisfied? Yeah. Like, yeah. and I know when I was on a show on Monday, and and my, one of my quest, the questions that was given to me said, "Do you think the paranormal will we be any closer to finding out in ten years' time?" And I said, honestly, my answer, no. But the I other answer, the other answer could be, forget ten years' time. Yes, now, because actually you're having experiences now. Absolutely. I think the question is what what those experiences mean. Mm -hmm. what what they signify if we're talking about evps are they voices from the afterlife are they something something else not not natural are they something else supernatural if you're seeing an apparition is that representation from the afterlife is it an image mm -hmm. that's portrayed by the building is it an image you know that's coming out of your mind even though it's still supernatural so that's yeah. the answer we're looking for at least what i'm looking for but in terms of you know, how, do we know about the paranormal or have we captured the paranormal? Well, you know, you only need to yeah. ask the ghost hunters in the chat room and everywhere else. Absolutely. To know the answer for them <laughs> is yes. My wife will tell you when I said, when I talk about head scratching moments, even though I told you about that experience in, in the work, in the bunker. Okay. And I've never said this before. I think my wife might, I might have, we might have talked about it public before but i don't think i've ever mentioned it my wife would say the key head scratching moment uh the voices and the footsteps in our house that's the the head scratching moment the, in your the, house in, in our house and uh, since we've moved into our house just a simple 1960s house um you know we could be sat on the sofa in the front lounge of a night right. and we'll hear footsteps walking around upstairs and hear little murmurings, that sort of thing. And it's been a constant, I won't say battle, but it's been a constant conversation between the two of us because from my wife's perspective, she's saying there's something there, you know. And initially I was going, oh, it's pigeons, it's birds, it's whatever, it's one of the kids has got, got out the bed, you know. Being the sceptic, being the sceptic, that's exactly what I was doing, you know. But then she was giving her perspective, and it continues, and we we... You know, constantly talk about it, have a little bit of investigation about it. But yeah, it's it's, it's again. Have you used a recorder in your home? Sorry for interrupting. Have you used she, a recorder? Um, she won't let me. She's probably right. Yeah, which is understandable. Which is understandable. And this is an interesting dynamic here mm. that we've got here. And and um, the dynamic is that as a as a married couple, we have different beliefs so i'm very skeptical mm -hmm. she's very very much a believer in, in this and has had some amazing amazing experiences as a child so got to really respect if she says what no i don't want her to capture anything she puts you keeps you on your toes yeah. i say there is and you're like uh, she no. keeps me on my toes for many reasons but Honey, yes. oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that's so She's making you work harder. We're all making you work harder. But the, some of you, some of you might know two, two, two. Danny Robbins' ghost story, the play that people have been talking about. Well, part of that, the part of that, that that 
the story of that is a married couple mm -hmm. who the wife starts hearing footsteps and various things coming from the children's room and her husband is a skeptic that's the story and danny and i have known each other for donkey's years and danny came and talked to me about the play that he was writing at the time and said oh i'm writing about this can i talk to you about skeptical perspectives and i said forget talking about skeptical perspectives what you're writing about is my life that is the marriage that i have where we both have very very different perspectives on things you know so fascinating <laughs> really is fascinating and I think, like when you're saying in your home, you're hearing something. And it's the same with Aiden's home. And it's the same in this home as well that, I don't know, do we take something home with us or is there something always in the house? I know when I moved in here, there was nothing in the house, as far as I know. Mm. I remember sitting here one night on my own and uh, oh, it was late in the night, a few gin and tonics and Jennifer got brave, no one to go to the bathroom with me. <laughs> Took out my trusty recorder. I had the dogs though, took out my recorder and I'm like, I know you're here. I know there's a man here in my house. And I do have, I put it onto the external hard drive because I still do have it. And then, cause I heard someone say my name and I was sitting back there with the fish tank is and I heard Jenny. And then you'll hear me on the recorder stuttering like, did you just say something? Did you say my name? But I have a DVP and I have the EVP. So I got it on recorder and the DVP. So you'll hear me on i heard it in my time yeah. the recorder was running yeah so that was kind of good but he still doesn't put the kettle on when i'm out and he doesn't do the dishes so he's out he's out um that's one see that's one thing i would like see investigating yeah. one thing i would really like this is what i'm always want to see more of and i, I don't know what your views are on it dr Kern, but uh poltergeist what about I, mean, poltergeist? I i'd always like to see more Poltergeist. I'd like to see things move, objects move from one location to the other, or and like something move, like a chair being pulled out or a table being moved on its own. But you say it's it's interesting you say that. I 100% agree with you. I'd love to see something, you know, mm. as as amazing as that. Something that you can, you know, genuinely see it happen and not question what you've seen. If you yeah. see a shadow, you see a shadow, you see a blur, you see kind of a you know a little bit of a figure maybe or something. There's always that little bit of doubt, that post hoc rationalization, that kind of you know trying to explain it away. Whereas if you see an object lift up, move across the room, you kind of go, you know, you can't you can't doubt <laughs> that. So yeah, I, I love that to happen. I get that in most locations when I see him moving what? on investigations <laughs> when you do some work. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, did I see Aiden just move across the room and do something? Right, carrying your equipment. <laughs> like, let me record it. People won't believe me. <laughs> but the poltergeist, the 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 poltergeist evidence. I mean, people are always looking for poltergeist cases. You know, we talk about the nature of the evidence in poltergeist cases, and they are, you know, they have that evidential value that is slightly different to the haunting stuff you know we always talk about poltergeist phenomena being movement of objects disappearing reappearing objects levitation spontaneous floods spontaneous fires all the descriptions of those cases is something very physical very physical often mischievous sometimes violent but very very physical and stuff that you can genuinely capture and not doubt that you've seen yeah, 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 which is just phenomenal. 
I, I find, if anything, that and this is what I probably watch too many movies and so on, that anything poltergeist is it's malevolent. I just kind of don't like it. I just, yeah. it's, you know, I know when my twin lived in, in the, the UK, wow, she lived in, she lived, herself and her husband lived with this, with this lady that, you know, they worked for. And she had this beautiful house. And she, apparently she had an attachment and they named him Hank. Now, Vicky, if you're watching, because Vicky said, if you got Dr. Kieran on tonight, I watch him a most haunted. And I said, yes, Vicky, I do. Um, put yourself a mega pint and uh what and sure and Vicky. But um, so she she um uh, lived in, in the UK and this lady had uh, an attachment and they named him Hank. So they had this, you know, those heavy table and chairs, wooden ones, and uh but he was friendly. Uh, and then I remember Vicky's husband, Noel, went into the kitchen one night. They were outside having a barbecue. He walked from the outdoors through the kitchen into the living room to turn the TV off yet again. Walked through the kitchen. And I let me tell you, he said all the chairs were on top of the table. But in a way, you couldn't stack them. Mm. And so, I yes. thought, and Noel went out white as a ghost. Like, he, mm. it, was just, it was not, you know. And it was just friendly. You know, he was friendly. And when it was our birthday... There was a huge, you know, the mantelpiece, and it's way too high for anyone to to put stuff up on. All the birthday cards were up on top of the mantelpiece that no one else could have put it up. And coins were sitting on top of the lampshade in the living room. And Vicky, my twin, is very, um, very, you know, she she won't. She came on one investigation with me. She's she's scared, and I understand that. Uh, so she would never make something like this up, you know. Um, mm. I do the way she talks you know i do yeah. definitely believe her so that was i'm glad she witnessed it not me <laughs> but, 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 it's, but but you know hearing about phenomena like that is exactly what you know aiden's <laughs> saying that kind of physical phenomena that you cannot doubt what you've seen at all but there's also yeah. a lovely psychology there that's happening there are two parts to it number one that label poltergeist you know, and I talk about it with some of my students. As soon as you label a case with the, the, the term poltergeist, mm. for those that know, it carries with it something. And you're immediately then in, interpreting the stuff that's happening in a mischievous and potentially violent and darker way because you're giving it that term poltergeist. You know, so as soon as the phenomena starts, you know, that's a poltergeist. If people know that term, it carries mm. with it so much association. And that psychology then can build and can actually affect some of your interpretation of what's going on. But there's also another start, another psychology side to what you just said, mm. which is naming it Hank. And that's a lovely psychology idea. And we talk about it. Yeah, we took we talk about it with when we did um, Battersea Poltergeist, the the, um, the podcast Battersea Poltergeist. That as soon as you name it, give it a name, it almost makes it more manageable, easier to deal with. Because up to that point, if it's an unnamed poltergeist, it's mischievous, it's malevolent, it's dark. Now we're going to call it Hank. Wow. Oh, is yes. that you, Hank? And suddenly now it changes, doesn't it? The atmosphere yes. changes and it's no longer the malevolence, the mischief, you know, that, that kind of yes. darker stuff. And yes. it's something we all do in poltergeist cases. I say we all do. When families are confronted with poltergeist cases, you look at all of the cases, you will see that at some point, very, very quickly, they will name 
the poltergeist because it's a lovely way of being able to deal with the phenomena that's being presented with mm. you. That's, I must give my one in the house a name. I think he has a name, but <laughs> I gave him many names actually. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, I have given him many names. Um, Haley said, "Loves Battersea poltergeist, which you were just talking about. Is there any evidence for PK causing poltergeist activity?" Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. So PK psychokinesis, of course, is caused by us. So the movement of objects using our mind and spoon bending was what we talked about briefly earlier on. There are some parapsychologists that feel that poltergeist activity is not poltergeist, which means noisy ghost or noisy spirit. It's not caused by a ghost, but it's actually caused by the person in the house who is the focal point of the activity. And right. so therefore it's caused by PK, even to the extent where um, William Roll, who's a um, parapsychologist uh, based in America, now passed away. Um, about 50 years ago, he re-termed poltergeist or said that poltergeist um, activity should be reframed as RSPK, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, because he felt all cases could be explained because of the PK of the person. And he was basing his ideas on some research that had been done um, many decades before that, Nanda Fodor, who said that poltergeist cases seemed to be centred around people that were going through some sort of turmoil or angst or real change or something like that, almost as though the psychology of that situation resulted in the phenomena happening. So, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant question. A lot of poltergeist um, views of poltergeist cases from parapsychologists take that theory. And very early on in my training, I also had that thought. Now I think there's too much crossover. I think it's yeah. dangerous to just go to differentiate the two. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, a haunted uh, poltergeist case, we don't talk about sense of presence. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about seeing an apparition. We just talk about all this other phenomena, the movement of objects. Mm -hmm. And yet you can come across countless examples of cases, haunting cases even, where people have seen things, heard things, seen objects move. Because yeah. the object has moved, is that now a poltergeist case? Well, oh, not necessarily. God. Yeah. You know, or you come across poltergeist cases. Battersea is a prime example. Enfield is yeah. another one where in those cases, people have reported a sense of presence and even <clears throat> at times seeing a fleeting shadow. Now, does that then mean it's no longer a poltergeist case? It's a haunting case. So I'm part of a discipline the same way psychologists are, physicists, any scientist, and we like to label stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but my training and all of these decades and doing actual private investigations myself I genuinely feel like it's a little bit dangerous to label something instantly as a haunting or a poltergeist yeah. case because there is going to be crossover a lot of the time yeah I think so too and I was I know I remember I remember speaking to you before um when we because I know I have a lot of questions here to ask um uh when when we do invest locations or investigations, we go back to the same places time and time again. We like to research uh, same locations all the time. We will, you know, go to locations that is like once off or twice off. But there's locations that we have investigated for many many years. I remember we did one a few weeks ago in the Athenaeum Museum in the south of Ireland. Fantastic place. 
And uh, on the way home, um, you know, it, that was a night that was a quiet night. But we went down to a place of the Athenaeum called the shower room. And I know it's not a nice area. No. There is a man in it that is not a nice area. So when we were on the drive on the way home and uh, Aidan had to pull over to have a nap. No, that's what, but you didn't say, you didn't explain what happened and you didn't explain what happened then. Too long. Anyhow, so, so Aidan pulled over for a nap. What do you mean too long? So it's long, not long enough to uh, talk about me going for a nap. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, he had a nap and I'm listening to audio and I almost hit you when I heard something. There he is. You There's the thing. Did I hit you? Yes, you did. Not enough. But I said, there's the man, there's the same guy. He's a raspy voice, yeah. but it's the same man. Don't know what he's saying, but it's coming from the back of his throat that you, it's the same man. Cause I'm doing that location for many years and it's the same man, it's the same voice. Uh, and that's why we do locations time and time again, repetitively do it all the time. Mm. Um, Which is a really good point. You, you know, it's, it's brilliant to hear. I know we've spoken about this before, but it's not, it's not common. It's really? rare to find it's rare to find groups that will do repeated investigations at the same location over an extended period of time and, and keep going back to yeah. a location. Yeah. You know, we, we, we are very much in a way of thinking that you can walk into a location and capture investigate and capture the evidence that night. And that's it. And you don't need to yeah. go back. But true, true research, you know, from uh ghost hunters and and i also like to call you effectively citizen scientists because that's what you are you're doing that research you're going in repeatedly going in and go right we've captured yeah. this evidence before are we going to capture the same thing again you know and i you think learn that's a brilliant way to approach we do we yeah. learn about them yeah. and when you go in you know you'll have your name being said oh, yeah. or one time mm. got into the millment museum of Drada, it's like here she comes here's jenny mm -hmm. and we have it on audio here she comes here's jenny and it's the ladies that's yeah. saying it from the museum. Well, and it's always so, different. It's always like you're not getting the same. And it's kind of so we're learning about the children from the location. We're learning about the men that's in the Athenaeum. We're learning about more of, of uh, Lep Castle. Like uh, one piece of audio I got, I know you. Me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just for now. God, there's a lot of stuff that happened in Lep Castle that was personal. From It was just. Um, yeah. It's just uh, uh, fantastic. Every location, it's like you think you know, mm. but every location you go to is like back to the drawing board. Yeah. You know, it's something new, something new, and we're learning every time we do locations all the time. Um, sorry, I'm going through questions here for you, Karen. Um, oh, uh, okay, so this is from uh, Anna O'Keefe. I did see uh, that's my wife. That's your wife. She's oh, upstairs. She's Hi, upstairs. She's meant, she's meant to be asleep in bed. What's she doing? You can't show me the results. <laughs> there oh, you, there you go. That's, that's what I said to you, didn't I? <laughs> there you go. Now, listen. Which makes sense. But, it, but you know, it does It does make sense. If she you know, believes that there's something there, if then you've got a sceptical investigator that says, oh, I'm going to set up cameras and I'm going to set up mm -hmm. recorders, well, of course she's going to go, no, I don't want you to. You know, you know, I don't. I don't want to see what you'll find. That's so, understandable. Yeah. yeah, that's I, I, understandable. Yeah, totally that's understandable. But yeah. just seeing it here now, Anna has given you permission yes. to do it. Just don't show her. That's the thing. So you can send us the, the results, and we'll we'll look over them. We want to know. We want to know. Independent assessors. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking, I'm looking through questions here. I'm looking through questions. Uh, I don't know who that is, Temple of Phoenix. Which one are you? Which one are you? I know uh, y'all are funny. Y'all are, are funny. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the phenomenon of people that hear familiar voices? Oh, I like this one. Or they're owned through the ghost box. Yes. That's a good question, Elliot. Um, it's tough, though, because, again, the ghost box is so beguiling in terms of the psychology of it. So, you know, it's it's the nature of what you're doing. You're going to hear voices because when you're using a ghost box, all the different varieties of yeah. ghost box, all the way going back to Frank's box, which I think was the original um, version, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're listening to static. You're, you're trying to get the voices come out of that. And that we always worry about audio pareidolia, this idea that, you're going to find voices come through static because you're listening to them. If you're using a variation of a ghost box that uses radio tuners and the radio tuners are just scanning through the frequencies, which is the nature of some of these ghost boxes, voices are coming through anyway because it's scanning radio frequencies. Yeah. And the point is you're meant to be able to get answers to questions that are reliable answers. But again, it's the audio pareidolia when Elliot says what is you know what are your thoughts about the familiar voices or their own uh -huh. that's the it's an additional psychology there isn't it because ultimately you're listening out for the voices you're listening out for the voices and like I said it can yeah. be quite beguiling and unless you've latched on to a, a particular spirit that's associated with a location and you're trying to connect with I don't know John and you're uh -huh. saying John are you there and you hear a yes and you're building the story about John you know that takes you off in a direction and it's a particular tangent however if you're just generally speaking to the ghost box and you're listening out for voices then it doesn't surprise me that you would start to hear familiar voices mm. coming through the ghost box i guess the weird thing is so familiar voices i'm not surprised at hearing I your own voice good. your own voice is a bit weird um i i I have experience of that when we were using the ghost box in Lep Castle and something, I ask a question, we didn't hear it on the spirit box. We didn't hear it coming through the spirit box. When I was doing audio at home, the answer came through the recorder and it was a personal question and the answer was right. No one heard it on the night. I heard it on the recorder and it was a personal um question and a personal answer and i'm thinking this person could not be in left castle this is a friend of mine who passed away and her anniversary was coming up mm. and i did ask her i said when i go and locate when i go and visit you what do i take with me or who do i take with me and we heard nothing on this the the spirit box and then um when i listened to the audio the answer was dogs and i'm I'm looking, I'm picking up something off my floor and i'm looking at the computer and i'm like because i knew the question was there and i said right i know we got nothing when I looked at the computer, kind of looking at the wave pad and whatnot, I'm thinking this did not happen. This didn't happen. This answer did not come through because this is my friend. It was coming up to her sixth year anniversary. We were there on the 28th of August. Our anniversary is on the 10th of September. I was ready to, I was, I, I said to, I'm done. Like I wasn't, I'm finished because it was personal. Yeah. So I could, I could get class A EVPs and so on. And I'm thinking, this is so cool. When it was personal, I'm thinking, oh, my God, do I have an answer? Even though I have answers from audio that I've done and I've seen stuff, but my left brain and my right brain fight with each other. Yes, you did. Mm. No, you didn't. Yes, they've seen it. Yes, you heard it. This was uh, 
I'm dissecting my mind, still going through it, my mind dissecting it. And oh my gosh, it was bloody mad. But was... you know, you know, I'm, I'm, it's bizarre because I could be sat with other parapsychologists or psychologists and say, think about the logic <laughs> of what Elliot has said and yourself, Jenny, in terms yeah. of if you're using a ghost box, which is a device to try and contact the spirit the dead and to get mm -hmm. voices coming through or any device where you're attempting to get communication from spirit think about the logic of it if mm -hmm. you are only only going to get the voices of spirits associated with that particular location then effectively what you are saying is that those spirits wherever they are can only be localized to that particular that area, area. and that makes <clears throat> no sense to me yeah from yeah. a logic point of view it could make sense. sense that those spirits may be looking down or or have a presence and when they see people wanting to get responses they then come forward but you know mm -hmm. to then get per you know personal reactions from people you know in spirit there's a logic there mm -hmm. that you kind of go well effectively you should be getting those responses anywhere. Yes. You know, you should yeah. be. If, if you think about the logic of what, you know, our interpretations of what the afterlife is, mm -hmm. there's no there's no geographical location for somebody that's passed off, yeah. passed over. You mm -hmm. know, effectively, they should be able to communicate at any point. So there's almost, there's a logic to it. And I hesitate to use that word because, you know, we're talking about an unproven thing here. But you understand yeah. where I'm coming from. Yeah, I do. Absolutely, hundred percent. I, I, it's just um, uh, bloody bonkers. And I yes. like, like I would be, I you know, me or the the audio. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you answer? Um, <laughs> it was kind of, it kind of blew me away. It kind of wow. And I would be very rational. I would, um, would. If there's a breeze, I'm looking for cracks, windows, floorboards, doors, what's the space between the doors for breezes coming through. I look for everything. I'll never say, oh, I feel cold against my arm. And I will check if there's a door beside me, a window, you know, at the location that I'm in. I'll sweep the whole area, you know, a note. Okay, there's a crack in the window. Okay, we're going to get a breeze. Uh, and so on. I, I do all of that. This was just uh, uh, crazy. Um I've taken a couple of Dr. Kunov classes online. I have the link that will be going up. Hello from Arizona. Great. Oh, Joe, brilliant. Lovely. Yes, yes. Yeah, I do quite a few. I've got, I've got now, when I think about the, the online courses that I do, um, that I've done now for, well, just over a decade, I've got alumni from the School of Parapsychology who've taken my online courses all over the world now. It's absolutely amazing really is amazing because there are you know, distance learning courses so i've got now alumni from all over north america so canada america but also central america southern america australia new zealand i've got ones from japan india all over That's europe awesome. it's yeah. amazing absolutely amazing we have one of our buddies here in ireland anthony anthony Kerrigan. anthony yes he's <laughs> taken a few yes <laughs> Yeah, he's such a dude. <laughs> oh well, I'm, 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 I want to do it. I, I do. You never, you never, you know, 
you always need to learn. I, I need to do it. You need to do it. I'm just giving him a hard time <laughs> last night because he's leaving me. Sorry, Agent. I'm sorry. Um, nothing to see here. Hang on a second. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, oh God, there was a question here from Rosie. Rosie, I'm looking for your question here. Uh, okay, Julian, I'm going to get yours in a second, uh, Rosie. Karen, what are your thoughts on the skull experiment, if any? Skull experiment. Yeah, brilliant. So, to give a context for those that don't know it, back in the 90s, it was a five year experiment, 1993 yeah. to 1998. And they called it experiment effectively. It was a series of seances that were conducted um, in a small village in Norfolk. Um, and also they did some of the seances um, abroad as well in Portugal, I think, and, and Spain, I think Switzerland as well. But it was, a, it was a, a series of seances done over five years. So hundreds and hundreds of seances with the core sitters, so core people who were who were consistently in that circle and there would be guests that would come in as well but they would sit in the table with the intention of contacting spirit and really getting to learn about the afterlife but also the key thing capturing evidence yeah. and the reason they were consistent they were going into it for, for such a long period of time with such frequent seances is because the same thing we've just talked about with haunting experiences. You just do a seance here and there. You may not capture it, but if you're constantly doing it, you know, if you spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks building the atmosphere and kind of establishing communication, you could be in a better situation to capture evidence. And the Skoll experiment captured a wealth of, of physical evidence. So, for example, um, sealed camera film that was then shown... And um, when they um, when they break up, broke open the packaging, there was uh, f photographs on it of, of places and various things. People being um, seeing lights in the seance room, people being oh touched God. in the seance room, voices, messages coming through. I mean, a whole raft of things. And if mm. people are interested, there's the Skull Report, which was authored by Montague Keane and various other researchers at the time, that is just huge, huge, huge amount of evidence. So what my thoughts on it are that I think what we've got there is probably one of the best sounds research studies that there has ever been awesome. ever been for the last 150 years i would say easily the wow. best ever i'm not necessarily saying that i think it's all evidence of the afterlife mm -hmm. because it's a seance room it's a darkened room it's not controlled environment but if you're interested in the 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 evidence the physical evidence and the messages that come through a medium in a seance room environment 100 percent you know, Gillian really? asking the question makes me think that That's she's so impressed good. by it. I'm impressed by it. And I think others That's should pick awesome. up the Skull Report or... There's I a have book, it written down. Yeah, there's a book authored by Robin Foy as well, who's one of the sitters, which I think is called The Skull Experiment. So yeah. so check it out and make up your own mind. Yeah, I'm writing these down. About it. It. That's awesome. That's so, I'm going to definitely lift that one up. Um, Miss Rosie Page, do you think we've crossed the veil more so now, Doctor? No. Um, and I think I might be in the minority to think that. 
because of it might seem contradictory to what I said earlier on with EVPs, you know, that you're getting regular EVPs. Um, you know, I don't think necessarily that the veil has been crossed more. It's not mm. about us crossing the veil. I don't think the veil has been crossed more because, you know, you look at psychical research 140, 150 years ago, and they were getting frequent messages and frequent mm. evidence of what they would interpret out, but, but they weren't using dictaphones or smartphones to capture it. They were getting their evidence in other ways. So, you know, you've got... If you look at the first 20 years of the Society for Psychical Research, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of evidence being reported by investigators. You compare that to now and you'll say, well, equally, we've got the equivalent of thousands and thousands and thousands of pages. So that's what I mean, Rosie, by saying I don't know if we've crossed the veil more now. I think maybe the nature of the evidence that's coming from the veil, if you believe that that's what it is, might appear to be more so. Whereas before it was more about experiences and messages that are delivered by a medium in a seance environment or in a, you know, a seance within a haunting setting. Now it's a different sort of evidence. It's the EVPs, it's the stuff coming through ghost boxes, it's the ovulus, it's all of that sort of equipment. So in, in effect, what I'm saying is that you've almost got a modern version of the evidence that was experienced 150 years ago, mm -hmm. which therefore means there isn't a difference in terms of that crossing the veil. It's just a difference in terms of the nature of the evidence. That's so I'm thinking about, you know, when Halloween comes and the veil is thinner and why do you think, and I know it's going to sound silly, but when we investigate all year through, we get the same, you know, we, we you know, it's consistent. Mm. The fail, is it, and I was going to say, probably a silly question, is it thinner when it comes to like, All Hallows Eve and so on and the fail is thinner, you know, come, what's it, the 31st of October? No, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a more, you're getting into more mythology side of things yeah. as to whether the veil is thinner. If anything, and, and this is me stepping out of a comfort zone as a parapsychologist, I would say the veil is thinner because of slightly different reasons. And that is anecdotally because of what you've just highlighted, which is if you are frequenting a location. Uh -huh. Yep. over a long period of time and yep. you're effectively using the same core number of people or the same core team then you're then the veil is being thinned Aye. because you have that regularity and because oh, therefore yeah. you're building up the communication That's in the so same true. way try think about the think about the analogy that you know if you meet somebody for the first time mm -hmm. right or you meet somebody at work say for example you know some people you can hit it off straight away but yep. generally you know it could take a little bit of time and you'll still be learning about that person months mm -hmm. even a year later yeah you know with all the conversations yeah. you have why is that any difference with those that you're contacting over the veil and if you're keeping yeah. the, the people that are the investigators consistent, if you're consistently at that same location, effectively, you're then thinning the veil yourself 
by building rapport yeah. with the person on the other side, the same way those investigators did 150 years ago. That is so true. That is so true. Um, the locations that we go to is repetitively for years, for years. And when they call your name out, they started calling your bloody name out, Aidan. <laughs> they did. They started calling his name out and he goes, now what about you, Jenny Nye? You know, they don't call me anymore. They call him. They don't call me. And, and they mock my accent most times, don't they? They sure do. And he always calls me or any friend Mucker. Yeah. M-U-C-K-E-R. Mucker. Not the other one. No, no. I've no. been called the other one many times. But Not mucker. by me. Not by me. Aye. Sometimes. <laughs> and um, and they called, they said that on the spirit box one night. Uh, and you could hear all of our reaction. Um yeah, and I was just, I was really, because then then at that point, when you were saying about, you know, it's, when it's going through frequencies, it could be picking up, like, voices, you know, from a radio station or whatnot. Yeah, what what yeah. would the odds be of them and using that word, mugger, during, mm. like, whenever I'm asking a question, and for it to come back, saying, I think I think it did say, you're, you're with muggers? Mm. And then I was like, whoa. Because, you know, it's just, I was not expecting, it was really out of the blue whenever it did set. And even you, you were... You were I, was a little, I, was. I was a little bit impressed, maybe a little jealous as well, because I'm being forgotten about, because it's all about Aiden. It's always about Aiden now. I'm old school now. I'm the old, I'm the oldie and he's the newbie. Fresh meat. <laughs> but I'm molding him. I'm molding. He's a young one. He's only 26. I'm molding him. He's a trainee. I'm a, I'm, a I'm a trainee fireman. <laughs> I have to carry up those. Oh, yeah. Logs yeah. And all the, well, the, that's the a good thing. That's a good thing. Back. So here's here's a question, um, Aiden, that I know yeah. <laughs> Jillian said, ask yeah, Aiden. Uh, for me to ask. And I, I was going to say, actually, you know, what would your views be on the pendulum experiment? Human pendulum, you mean? No, or pendulum right. with the actual pendulum. Well, probably, probably, probably both. both. Say both. Uh, well, like even the, the pendulum in itself. Like what would your whole like around that? Um, yeah. So, so there's two things here. So, um, very skeptical. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Um, oh, yeah. The pendulum. The pendulum in terms of <laughs> the pendulum in terms of holding the pendulum in terms of on a chain and whatever method you want to use. And there are a number of different methods. You could, of course, use it in a Ouija-type situation, which I've seen, which is, ha you know, having it over um, a, a board where you're getting the pendulum to go yes, no, or kind of having it like that. Or mm -hmm. it's the movement of the pendulum that is the response that you're looking for, you know, the circle or um, uh, front to back. The issue with that is we know from 1850s and beyond then, a number of studies that have been done to show the micromotor muscular movements that can occur um, and that these muscular movements can affect things like pendulum or even the movement of a planchette in Ouija boards. And, and the key way to illustrate it because it, it's, it seems absurd. When we talk about micromotor muscular movement, it's effectively saying that your muscles are responding to what your brain is saying, but mm. you don't know what your brain is saying. It's almost mm -hmm. like you're, you're operating as a robot and you're not conscious of what's happening. But the mm -hmm. easy way to illustrate it is, if you're doing moving a planchette at a Ouija board, you're sitting with people who are you're the most trustworthy people ever they're right. all touching the planchette they know they're not going to be pushing the planchette at all 
that they're just letting it go, but they're in contact with it. If you're in contact with the spirit and you say, okay, spirit, give us your name. And it goes J O H. What's the next letter? The next letter is N. Now your brain knows that before you process it. Yeah, that's what that's... micromotor muscular movement is. And your brain is already, when you say J-O-H, the moment it hits H, your brain is processing the next letter. And your brain has sent a message down your muscles uh -huh. to, to hear, to say, and now you're going to be moving it to N. Not fraudulently moving it. Your brain mm -hmm. is going, the planchette is going to move to N. So go with it. And you will not be conscious that that is happening. And yet you can show from experiments with thermal images, with kind of weight distribution, that it's actually you and the other people around the table that have moved the planchette to N because your brains have told you. And it's the same thing that's happening with the pendulum. It's that unconscious kind of movement that's, that's happening. Just... You, and you can hook people up to a lie detector and say, did you move it? Absolutely not. No way I did. Because, of course, you don't know subconsciously you don't know you're doing it exactly so yes. that's 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 that side of thing the yeah. human pendulum which i've oh, done no. to get to get an experience of it the human pendulum is is a, a very very different scenario mm. and that's that for me is akin to hypnosis so number one it's difficult mm. to balance anyway when you're standing up and you've got people either side of you and you know saying spirit move this person tell us what's a yes is it forward or back you know and and it's very difficult because the scenario that you're in in a haunted environment which is low level lighting anyway and people around you and building up this narrative and the story of there's a spirit here move the person forward if you want that to be yes or back if you want whatever male female you build up this whole narrative it's a huge suggestion effect, but also it's a it's a, it's almost a hypnotic state. You don't fully get into the hypnotic state, but you're almost there to the point where I defy anybody to be standing in the center of a circle doing a human pendulum and not feel their body move slightly when they're asked a question. I you know. yeah uh, yeah, and um, I I remember watching a live one night and they were doing a human pendulum and me being me Jennifer. Yes. I kind of put it and I said, what's your uh, documentation evidence from this? What can you what can you say? Well, this is real. Apart from this, probably this person's getting tired. The eyes are closed. I'm going to sway a little bit, you know, uh, and I did <laughs> cocky answer they gave me. And I said, what is your documentation evidence that you're going to bring to the table with this? And they they look back at the screen and they, they just said, we just showed you. And I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> take the wheel, I'm going in. The gloves are off. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever. You know, I just showed you. And I'm like, okay, Billy Big Balls. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you, you showed didn't. me something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. You went off once, didn't you? I did, and I just said no. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. No, I didn't. I said, oh. no, I You're didn't. very calm. Yeah. I did because you can't speak to some people who just said, I just showed you. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, take the wheel. You, you, were, you were in your Bambi mode. Yes, I was. Oh, oh yes. You must, you must have. Yes, I was. What, was. what was the name of your new book? 
And the I name of my new book is Bambi to Banshee. Bambi. The Irish temper is Bambi to Banshee in 3.7 seconds. Or, and yes. Jenny is 3.7 milliseconds. <laughs> I want royalties when my name is mentioned. <laughs> there you go. You'll have a mention. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I heard it here first. Um, <laughs> oh, let me see. More questions, more questions. Uh, oh, Rosie, have you tried automatic writing, Dr. Kieran? Yes, and, and it's a great question, Rosie, that came up as I was talking about the human pendulum as well. Mm. You know, and, and it probably came up because of thinking that there's a similar sort of process going on in terms of um, the hypnotic state. You know, with automatic mm. writing, there's a sense that you're doing that. The, 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 the difference with automatic writing, of course, is that you could end up doing an automatic writing session, slip into that kind of alter state or hypnotic state, and be writing with the pen and feel like you're not writing so there's that aspect of it which is which is the really interesting one which is absolutely you don't you're not conscious that you're doing it and it gives that feeling there must be a spirit controlling the pen because i don't feel like i'm doing oh my it micromotor muscular movement hypnotic state all of that comes into play what's interesting about the the automatic writing versus the human pendulum of course is if you can get evidence written down that makes it oh. more interesting you know when when you're you're through the automatic writing you're getting evidence about a client or you're getting evidence about the haunted location you're in and that evidence cannot be gathered any other way that would be amazing hasn't okay. happened yet in all of the anecdotal experiences i've heard and when people have presented me with automatic writing but watch this space I was just about to say watch this space because I know we're going to try it on the next one and many <laughs> other are going to try it on the next ones too. So you'll be getting inundated with, with mails uh, saying we tried it, we tried it. Yeah. We will definitely be doing this one here. Um, Julia is saying, I don't have any faith in the human pendulum. Don't care who's doing it. Amen, sister. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes you've got to be very, uh, if I can say, I don't know if I can say blunt, but just... Um, it's it's sometimes you i i'm very very much and i know anybody who does investigation as well um would be very much into document evidence document 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 i live my team yeah, on it by yeah. document and i've got three investigations of audio that i have to go through i'm so behind but i will get it done i will get it done um uh okay um i'm gonna say another question so i'm throwing questions here so if I if I skip, I'm sorry, throw the questions back in there again. One woman, woman show here, because he's just sitting there looking pretty. Because <laughs> you're taking, you've got the bloody mouse, don't you? Well, I'm not nice supposed to do anything. So Bill Campbell is saying, would you recommend the Poltergeist course? Oh, brilliant. Yes, yes, definitely. I think Bill's been on it. I think that's what it is. He would say, would recommend it rather than question. Yeah, I do a Poltergeist course investigating poltergeist which is a five topic course um take you through kind of history famous cases the skeptical side the ethics of poltergeist cases you know we've talked about ethics slightly earlier on this evening but ethics is key with poltergeist cases because the majority of them are private residential homes and so you're actually dealing with families and you're dealing with a dynamic there that's very difficult to tease apart. So ethics. And then in the last topic, students are presented with 
five or six cases that they've never heard of before and using all of the information that they've been given prior to that prior to that fifth topic they have to then solve the cases is it a poltergeist hmm. isn't it if it's not a poltergeist what's going on but also what's your plan of attack so how would you investigate something like this given the information that um you said there so yeah so i've got poltergeist case a short course father's day discount at the moment but yes do do check out the website and check Great. out the details can about I be, the can I be dad tomorrow yeah. can I yes you can anybody can <laughs> I, I, I could be daddy and you could be daughter <laughs> Lord, geez, that's for a different show anyway um <laughs> oh lord so the the um the site that i put up that's for uh your courses the school of parapsychology yes, that, that's for that's courses so i'm going to leave that up for anyone who wants to take the courses because i know we're going to do it mm -hmm. um we have to have conversations with Anthony and sit around the table and have our intellectual conversations. Because <laughs> I used to talk, I'd be like, what are you saying? So we all have to do the same course. Um, okay. Oh, look, my hand's been taken off the yes, yes, now. Yep, yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over now. Now you can sit and look pretty. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. He's probably thinking, what are you two doing? Um, Joe, Joe Newman, Marzold, I think that's, that's yeah. Um, what is your opinion? on children recalling past lives? Yeah, this is, it, it's an interesting topic. I haven't done any research myself on it, but I know of an, a number of different cases. And when I mentioned about survival and after-death communication being one area that parapsychologists look into, there's kind of a fringe of that area, which is reincarnation studies. Um, and that's effectively what Joe is talking about there, kind of reincarnation studies. And there's two key individuals, both based at University of Virginia. One is Ian Stevenson, Professor Ian Stevenson. Um, and then the other one is um, Jim Tucker. Um, and Ian Stevenson has passed away and Jim Tucker has kind of taken on the mantle of this sort of research. But what they looked at or what Ian Stevenson looked at <laughs> primarily was exactly that when children start to recall a past life we're not talking about past life regression which is effectively uh -huh. using hypnosis to get that evidence this is where children spontaneously start recalling a past life and ian stevenson's research shows that some of these children are recalling the life of an individual who lives hundreds if not thousands of miles away and has died and they are then recalling the life as if it is their own so mm -hmm. it's evidence for reincarnation effectively basically a child recalling the life and then you look back and you go they're recalling a life of somebody that died 100 years a thousand ever hundred miles a thousand miles no. away distance away and now they're recalling such detail to the extent where they're able to describe where the person lived wow. under what circumstances they died that sort of stuff and i'm i'm skeptical of it because a lot of those experiences come within cultures that believe in reincarnation so there's a lot of yeah. social stuff to that in terms of the family pushing for it to be a genuine evidential case mm -hmm. of reincarnation. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that, that Ian Stevenson had published a book, which is 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation, where mm -hmm. 
in a small number of cases, he showed that the children that were recalling the past life had a physical anomaly on their body, such as a birthmark. So, for example, a birthmark on the neck that matched the exact location of the bullet or the knife that resulted in that past life death. So effectively, effectively a child going, my name is Billy or whatever, living at this other place. I had a family, I had all of these kids, but one day I was in a fight and I had a knife through my neck. And they have a oh birthmark at that exact point. When you look at the, the, the autopsy report and then you look mm -hmm. at them, they have that exact thing. So I, I'm very sceptical, but... I have to remain open-minded to the possibility oh. when you see interesting evidence like that. You know, when you see these photographs, you just go, that's just remarkable. Yeah. And you and like you're saying about the photographs and there's always there's something on uh, in photographs and there's, there's the same, um, oh gosh, would it be a light or something or, uh, or whatever it is, but it's always on the child in many different locations. Mm -hmm. It's always yeah. on the child. I remember a friend of mine up in in the uh, about 25 minutes away from me um they adopted one of my dogs i do rescue and they adopted one of my dogs um i'm fr friends of the family and whatnot and there's a little boy that used that, that is family related and he would come down from dublin to visit them and dundalk and so on if i didn't see this dog wanting to go for this child for no reason i would not have believed it when the dog was in the conservatory he's, he's a border collie and this boy was in the kitchen. I'd say he was about six or seven at the time. And he was, uh, the dog was in the conservatory and he was, he was cracking that glass with his teeth. He wanted this boy. He just wanted this boy. The boy did nothing. Mm. He never did anything. And it was spit of the dog on the glass. And I'm looking at this dog and I know this dog and I'm thinking, what the frick is going on? Mm. The door was accidentally sl slid open. I didn't do it, I promise slid up i didn't do it slid open the dog beeline for this boy and bit him on the back of his leg really yes and the boy used to talk about what you know grandpa used to say my grandpa had passed away oh i know grandpa did this one day he was leaving the house and said but he said to me bye jenny see you in heaven i'm glad he didn't say hell because most <laughs> people say most people say to me jen see you in hell <laughs> i believe him and he said i do he's the one i prefer to believe um Bye, Jenny. See you in heaven. And I'm like, get out, get out. You know, I'm too young. But he was telling me, bye, Jenny. See you in heaven. At least I think I might know where I might gonna go. I don't know yet. Um, but this boy was whoa, something, something. Now he's grown out of it. But it, he, oh. well, that's the other interesting thing is that, that grown out of it. Even all of the cases that Ian Stevenson looked at, a lot of them, exactly that they would grow out really? of it. Either the the ones that lasted the longest would only be lasting the longest till they were seven, eight years old. But they only actually lasted slightly longer because oh. the child didn't start speaking until they were maybe four yeah. or five. There's quite a few instances of children just not speaking. And then suddenly when they start speaking, they're recounting the past life and that's all oh. they're doing. But yeah, very so many of those cases, they they peter out very very quickly you yeah. know so, so there are only a few years recalling these past lives and then suddenly they they change out of it and they're no longer recalling their past life very odd that's weird because i know when a friend of mine robbie from scotland and he he does past life regression and he wants to do one on me 
And uh, he, we were talking to him the other night on video and he said, you know, look at me, Jenny, look at me. And he looked at me and he goes, you have something about water. I, I, I have this recurring dream every year or every few years about drowning in water. And my obsession with something about water when it comes, it's a Titanic, who doesn't have the Titanic? Yeah. But I have an obsession with it. And so I know he's watching tonight. Um, so uh, he, he wants to do something like that, like past life regression. So God knows what he's going to get with can I, can I Can I tell you about a hilarious past life regression? Please do. That I had. So I, I was, I volunteered myself for a past life regression. <laughs> uh, a young lady, I won't say, I won't say where and I won't say who, but I very quickly, um, through the nature of the questioning, because under hypnosis, you're, you're very susceptible to the questioning. I found myself in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, and uh, I was a slave to a famous pharaoh. I was going to um, say you and describing uh, describing all of the experience with with this particular pharaoh and the lavish meals and kind of seeing everything and it was all through all of this question i was very conscious as a psychologist everything this past life regressionist is asking me mm. is leading me to egypt no matter what i said she was leading me to a past life in Egypt and I was thinking this is a bit weird but of course when you're under you feel the heat and you, you know, yes. the sand and you smell the food it's all incredibly incredibly powerful I yeah. came out she said right we're going to come out now when I count down from 10 you're going to step away from your past life and you're going to be back here in my house blah 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 it's all going to be fine you're going to be out so 10 9 8 7 counted down I came out of it and she said what did you think of that and I said yeah it was amazing she said it was amazing you've obviously got a past life there in Egypt uh, later on this summer, I don't know if you know, but I'm I'm running an ex uh, a, a a holiday, a paranormal holiday to Egypt, <laughs> three and a half three and a half thousand pounds. I think it would be lovely for you to come along and find out more about your past life. And I was like, no, it's oh, right. you're kidding it's, me! I'll, I'll use Google. Oh lord! No, it's just ridiculous. Oh Highly my god! When I, when I was talking to Robbie, <laughs> and when he was telling me something about water and boats and I like, since I had my daughter, she's 18 now. Um, I had this very much fear of, I'm a, I'm a swimmer, I'm a swimmer, but I will never go underneath water anymore. Not if you, you could not pay me to go underneath water. I, I just couldn't do it. And I have no idea why. Um, I just would not go underneath water. I can't watch any movie when it comes to water. You know, I just can't get a catch of breath. Have you always had that? Have you always no, had that I fear didn't. No, no. When I know when I was younger, when I'm primary school, Jenny Jenny went off into a daydream like we always did. <laughs> we, <have>. <laughs> <laughs> we always do. I swear to God, I always go into daydreams. And I remember, kind of like I started crying, and they said, "Jenny, what's wrong?" And I said, "Nothing, nothing." I could have been a bit. I don't know what age it was. I was in primary, and uh, I, what I was thinking was the world was going to end. And there's just this world, and I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking from space, looking down on the world, and there was nobody on it, nobody on it. And that's what Rosie's saying, did you drown in your past life? That's what uh, Robbie was saying, and I have never given him any indication about, even now talking about it, a little bit heavy here now, because I'm talking about water, let's change it. Um, but yeah, the, the whole water thing, uh, but I am going to do it. I am going to do the past life regression with them. I'm allowed to do it on StreamYard. Um, I was going to do it live, but I'm going to do it private, but I am going to record it and Kieran, I'll send it on to you. Oh, 
<laughs> there's one thing you know i've worked i've worked with david wells a lot david wells one of the mediums on um most haunted and he's done a lot of past life regression work and we kind of even though we very very much saw it opposite in terms of me thinking with i don't see this as past life work at all i don't see that you know i know about hypnosis i'm very skeptical about it whereas he was we did come to an agreement and that is about the therapeutic value of it you know that that you said about the water aspect yeah. well there's an interesting there's potentially an interesting technique going on there in terms of getting to the root of people's fears or anxieties or wow. concerns or their personality through the past yeah. life and being able to almost it's a way of almost kind of rectifying those fears and anxieties and <laughs> concerns through the past life regression so that's a good thing because I remember when I, I won a holiday to Canaries and I never had flown before, never flown before, but I knew, I was not happy because I had to fly. I was never on a, on a plane before, uh, but I just knew I didn't like it. And I think it's because I'm not in control. Go figure. I'm not in control. And <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm not in control unless I said it. I said it. But I, I just had this, oh, my God. I know a lot of people have this huge fear of flying. And I know another person said, you know, oh, if you're a car is more dangerous than uh, flying. And I said, what is your fear? So if it's spiders, I'm going to put you in a room with 100 spiders, but they won't hurt you. Trust me, I know they will not hurt you. I said, you're not going to listen to me. What is your fear, Karen? What is your Mannequins. fear? Mannequins. Mannequins. Malikans. There's one beside me. You really? Are you sure you want to leave the show? I'm, 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 I'm second thinking up there. I'm, <laughs> don't leave, Aiden. Don't leave. Oh lordy! Oh, tell you, oh, even lordy. even on investigations, you ever going on investigations? Because all people should watch the live. You're going to be, you're going to be down my bloody. You're driving me up the wall, isn't it? Not that you don't do that. You should, you should watch the lives. Oh, my gosh. It's like, I think we're going to start charging people to watch the lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Uh, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. Dawn's asking, what are your thoughts on UFO sightings? I like this. Yeah. Uh, UFO sightings. People forget what UFO stands for. Yes. Unidentified flying object, and in and in a you know a significant percentage of those UFO sightings, you can genuinely say it's a UFO, as in you could say it's not down to your eyes, it's not down to the camera, it's not you seeing a celestial object which is meant to be there, you know Venus or whatever the the planet is that you can sometimes see, or Orion yeah. or whatever the star is that's quite bright. You know, we can discount there. that. Yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. Purposely didn't I say it. See, therapeutically, it was a remote view, and no. I knew you were thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> but you can discount all, you can, you know, in a lot of these experiences, you can discount that. And you can discount, you know, weather balloons or satellites. And so then it only leaves UFOs, mm. you know. So yeah. what, what do I think about it? Yeah, why not? It's possible. Aye. It's possible that, that some of these sightings might actually be unidentified flying objects, objects we cannot see. 
That's you me know, when I draw not, a shoe yeah. across. I'm sorry, I keep joking. I keep throwing unidentifying shoe across the room at him. Okay, we've got to stop with the jokes. I'm sorry, we've got to stop no, with the jokes. No, it's not jokes. It's reality, Janik. <laughs> I have to remember that. There's a difference between jokes and reality. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is. Um, sorry, Karen. Sorry. Um, so you do believe in UFOs? Yeah. Like, well, like I said, I, I pin me into a corner. I believe that there's a percentage of them that remain UFOs that we don't have an explanation for them. They're an unidentified flying object. I oh. think the issue is, are they going to be flying objects that are coming from other planets with their intelligence, you know, right. intelligent life? <sighs> That's very difficult. You know, you got you got cynical physicists like Brian Cox saying it would be arrogant of me to say that there aren't other life somewhere. But f for him, he could say, and he has said on record, but you know, we could potentially find another life in a planet. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're intelligent enough to fly here. It could be just one-celled amoebas, for all we know. You know, they're not. Sorry. So I'm just going to say that, like the size of the universe, it says we couldn't just be the only life form in the yeah. universe. There has to be, without there has to be other life forms. Somewhere. Yeah, I oh. I do believe in that. Sorry, my eyes at me. I do believe in that. Like I know in Mars they have water running, you know, mm. and they're trying to mm. make Mars livable. You know, yeah. I'll go if they, if they do. I'm going. You can't bring dogs. <laughs> I'm taking my dogs with me. You can't bring dogs. <laughs> I have five dogs. Don't say you were a mannequin in the past life. Or a dress or a dress a, what do you call it? Or a dressmaker. A dressmaker that you dealt with mannequins a lot and had a dramatic <laughs> incident at work. That's are you had that you, you, you were a mannequin, that's why you hit Cena because you 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 realize that God my past life, I just had to sit there and say nothing. Just don't <laughs> <lose>. <laughs> that, that certainly wouldn't be me. No. no. <laughs> Did you ever watch the movie Mannequin? Oh yes. Did That's you watch from the eighties? Yes. No. Yes, but she turned. No, she was a mannequin. <laughs> yes. No. That was way before you were born. Yeah, I I haven't seen it. No, you've been twenty six. Sorry, I know. I keep. I keep. You know. I keep joking about food, but um. Uh, hi Joshua, hi Joshua, Josh just jumped in. Uh, I, uh, Nick, I know I haven't spoken much, but I've been listening to this whole time as I've been busy. I gotta say, I really enjoyed today's show. Nick is thank you, Nick. Nick is amazing. Nick yeah. is he's just love him. Um, I do, I can't say enough about him. I think he's a fantastic yeah. guy. Oh, he really is. He's such a dude. Um, they're still planning supposedly a planned mission tomorrow, sometimes in late 2020s or 30s. I'm trying to, I'm doing a math of what age I'm going to be. <laughs> what is it? I'm doing the math what age I'm going to be when that happens. Well, you see. won't be around. <laughs> Listen, I'll come back and haunt you. Um, sorry, <laughs> I know how to do it. Uh, Gillian, sorry. Karen, what what is a typical working day for you as a parapsychologist and what is involved? Wow. I don't know if there is a typical day, but mm -hmm. there are a number of types of typical days. So uh, my day job is parapsychologist at Buckinghamshire New University, where I'm head of school. So I'm head of school at Buckinghamshire New University for human and social sciences, which means that I'm responsible for all of the staff, students oh, wow. and courses in psychology, um, social science, criminology, sports science, sports therapy and education. 
which is about you know about a quarter of the whole university so my typical day in that role is very much taking care of mental health and well-being of the students and the staff mm. making sure the running of the courses that sort of thing recruiting students that side of things i'll then slip into a parapsychologist role and be doing research in the lab um, mm. but also you'll find me lecturing about parapsychology and exceptional human experiences near-death experiences altered states of consciousness meditation ghosts hauntings you name it but i'll be i'll be lecturing to students as well so on a typical day might be office-based dealing with some of that stuff in front right. of students doing research and then at night going out ghost hunting and do the research what a field. job to do what, you, what your passion yes, is what a job that's not a that. job that's that's that's, that's bloody that's something i'd want to do yes that's be a full-time paranormal investigator i could not that would be my dream i'm telling you that is um that's not a job that's passion i love that i'd love to do something like that i give lectures but they're not your lectures i give different lectures so my children tell me and he tells me too um give me a raise yeah that would be good thanks joshua <laughs> okay no what about me give me a raise for having a stack her Oh, Aiden, no, Aiden, please don't leave <laughs> oh look i can't i can't um there was a question here that Aiden had oh yes oh, sorry yeah. Aiden. oh no 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 uh this one here okay what are the major research approaches in regards to parapsychology that's a really good question generally we divide parapsychology research into proof oriented and process oriented and by that I mean there are some parapsychologists that are looking for proof in the lab. So looking for proof of telepathy or precognition, which is predicting the future, or they're looking for proof of communication with spirit for mediums. They're looking for proof of that. Other parapsychologists are what we call process-oriented. So they genuinely believe that we already have the proof but now what we want to do is we want to actually look for the process under which it operates the best. So a good way of, of illustrating that is telepathy. If you're process or proof oriented, you're looking for proof of telepathy in the lab. If you're process oriented, then basically you're saying telepathy exists. Now we need to see what conditions would we get telepathy at its best. So does it operate better with strangers? or between twins, for example, or creative people, that sort of thing. Or does it operate best when individuals are sleepy and they're kind of in a calm state versus an excitable state, that sort of thing. So in terms of approaches, those are the two, two main ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. But also as approaches, you'll find parapsychologists, 95% of parapsychologists do experimental work, 95%. Mm -hmm there's a small five percent that will do the experimental work but also like me do the research out in the field in haunted locations and visiting yes. haunted locations but that's only really about five percent of all parapsychologists will choose that particular approach that's so cool i love that i'm sorry my phone my computer keeps going off there now um what's this one here Aiden, that oh, you have to, that I... what are the major psa experiments today major psi experiments oh so there's lots of there's a whole stream of research that 
probably people won't know about because parapsychologists tend to publish in their own journals and people just don't hear about that. And that's a form of precognition. So precognition is predicting the future. The vast majority of evidence we have for that is prophetic dreams where people are dreaming of a future event. But there is a whole stream of research that's happened over the last few years, something called presentiment. And that is your body predicting a future event. And so a real world example would be, you probably heard of police officers say, if they're going down a particular alleyway or they're about to kick down a door, they'll reach for their gun or their weapon, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Whereas other times they won't. There's a sense that something oh, dangerous no. is behind the door or something dangerous is down an alleyway or why am I stopping this? But that kind of thing. That's their body mm -hmm. sensing a danger and then they're reacting to it. There's a whole okay. stream of research in parapsychology yeah. where parapsychologists have, have presented people with random images and buried in those random images are pictures of... Uh, spiders or snakes or that sort of thing and what they've shown is that people's bodies react to the spiders and the snakes before the image is presented to them so their bodies are reacting and that's presentiment it's almost parapsychologists would argue it's almost an ability that we have lost hundreds oh. and th thousands and thousands of years ago it would be useful for us to have a body reaction to danger around the corner but now we don't have that and we've kind Would of that be like a gut feeling like a gut feeling yes gut you feeling know? and just yeah. your body is going what's going on you know what i can feel that my heart rate is going up i can feel that i'm starting to get you know fearful and anxious there must be something happening and mm -hmm. that's very that's very different from saying there's a guy behind the door that's got a gun that's predicting the future presentiment is your body going there's something fearful that's about to happen and there's a whole stream of research that's been happening yeah. within parapsychology that is just phenomenal. I think sometimes when you when you get um, like like you say when you meet someone for the first time, you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, it's not you. I just there's something that I'm not connecting with. Yeah. And I've had that before when you know I'm I was in a team before oh, years ago before my own, and uh, there was one girl and she was a lovely girl. I just didn't feel her. And there right. was no reason. She did nothing. She said nothing. I just, we didn't Didn't vibe. click. There's something didn't intuitive click. going on. Yeah. Didn't click. Didn't click. Uh, and I have no, I, I still can't put my finger on it to this day. I don't know uh, why. We're going to do one more question from Gillian because we are going to go because it is coming up to our still enough time. So we're going to ask the last question if, if Kieran's okay with that. Uh, would telepathy not be a state of mind rather than a paranormal event or experience? Some magicians have displayed uh, telepathy in stage shows. Yeah, well, with with magicians demonstrating examples of telepathy, there could be a number of different things going on. It can be simple trickery. I think Gillian has said also that it could be a form of what we call cold reading yeah. or, hot, or hot reading, yeah. which is where they have the information beforehand or they have plants in the audience and they're right. able to get out that information. So they might be demonstrating telepathy, but they're using trickery to demonstrate that. But to say that it's some sort of mind state is not 100 miles from the truth. The research in, into telepathy within parapsychology happens because the experimental setups show that people who are in a calm, sensory deprived state 
that is they got all of their senses blocked off from any distractions are able to perform telepathically better and mm. so you know Gillian saying that makes 100% sense to me you know that it's a state of mind rather than necessarily anything else uh, that's all. uh nick we're gonna do one more time uh okay nick Mila is gonna be the last question here because i know uh um we're coming out of time uh thoughts on remote viewing that has been used by the military Whoa, okay. Yeah, so uh, specifically talking about the Stargate program, the CIA and the military wing kind of funded by the CIA and research was conducted by Ed May, who's a parapsychologist, who's a, a physicist. Lots of stuff out there. There's Freedom of Information Act, so you can get lots of actual experimental results on Stargate. Just look up CIA Stargate. It's not conspiracy. It's all there yeah. about six, seven years um, experimental research. Yeah interesting but not proof of remote viewing oh, wow. unfortunately in my mind but yes yeah, some really interesting stuff there elliot last one here because uh, <laughs> uh as a person who studied the paranormal at a very young age starting at 12 dr kieran o'keefe you certainly are among several people in the paranormal field who inspired me to join this community as i grew up watching most haunted this brings back memories from high school so i thank you for being an inspiration oh, thank you very much that's amazing that is we amazing love, we love nick i just <laughs> I, I've, I've got a run for my money here when it comes to oh god mary no i haven't oh, well, Jenny, you still haven't changed the battery in your phone. And that's three years now. Karen, that's gone on three years. I'm probably guessing oh, wow. it's going to take maybe four. But let me tell you, when I cook food, my children know it's dinner time. Uh, I left a pizza in the oven for two hours the other oh, night. Wow. Three yeah. hours? Yes. Listen, I, I would have gotten jailed for, if I threw it at someone because I would have knocked them out and probably killed them. It was solid. It was kind of like that. It was solid. Um, it was wow. really bad. But yes, Mary... Aiden, you're here now. You're like six foot two. You can change it for me. Am I getting paid? Um, let me see very quick before we go, because we're going, we're going, we're going. Oh, that's awesome. Nick, Nick, Nick. Thank you so much. Uh Gillian, thank you so much for a fantastically interesting show. Have a spectacular weekend. <laughs> we shall. Oh, Billy, you missed it. Billy, you can do it on the rewatch. Oh, the relaunch. Uh Thank you for a very interesting discussion. Oh, it's always amazing. Thank you, um, Dawn has been on to me. Dawn's from uh, um, Chicago, and she's always like, Jenny, did you change? Everyone gets on to me. Like, I'm even Mary. Can you hear that? Because I can't I'm, hear I'm it anymore. Because you are immune to it. I've broken you. I've broken you. It's a paranormal fire alarm. You see, we can't hear it. It's frozen. Great show. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm going to show you very quickly, um, uh, Lordy. So if you want to sign up for Dr. Kieran, uh, Kieran O'Keefe's um, courses, this is the link here. Take a picture, take a screenshot, and get on to it. Father's Day tomorrow. It is like discount, is it, Kieran? Yes, 25% discount. 25% off. So um, I'm going to play daddy tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your daddy. Sorry, he's getting late. <laughs> Here's my daddy, um, uh, uh, David. David Lord, anyway, so here we go. So this is one of Kieran's uh, books. Um, here is the link. Um, 
experience. Yeah, that's a link. That's a link to loads of things. So it's got a link to courses, my oh, university yeah. stuff, my research, but also it's got a link to book that's coming out next month, Ghosted, um, all about haunting experiences and kind of all of the research that I've done the last three to four years. So that's there's a link to that on that link tree right. link then. Everything you need to have is, is going to be here. Make sure there. to bring him back on, Nick. If he agrees, I will. Do you want to come back on, Karen? <laughs> no, I'll but come back on. But um, we'll be missing Aiden, though, won't we? Oh, no, we'll have him back. It's no, working. Aiden, he's going to jump in sporadically he when he's not working with the, the rep, rep for the Lighthouses of Ireland. But, you know, you will oh, yeah. jump back on. If Karen, you come back on, Brilliant. we will definitely have you back We'd on. We'd love to. We'll definitely, have you, we'll definitely have you over here. You yes. see what I'm saying? Oh, yes, even, definitely. Even Kieran said, only if Aiden's on. Of course I will be here. Jenny. And yourself, Jenny, as, as well. Of course. Oh, well, That's a given. Uh, well, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, Billy, Kieran, I keep it on my friends list, so I'll ask some questions tomorrow. Okay, Billy. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, Mr. Damn Good Beds. Uh, thank you so much, Charles. Thank you so much, Joshua. A million thanks. Thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you so much, uh, Kieran. It has been a bloody pleasure tonight. And listen, when brilliant. you come over to Dublin, yes, hook up with us. Definitely. We'll be out for a whiskey and a and um, kind oh, of get yeah, it. Definitely, oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Be up for that big time. But let me know when he's busy because I'll leave him at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll make sure I'll be a station at the lighthouse on, in Dublin. I can just take it. Oh, God, there is. Oh, there we go. Yes. There you go. I'll be in the billy. I just take off. I'll get somebody else to. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. I'll let you come out with us. No, it's been brilliant. Thank you very much. It's been, been lovely oh, chatting with you both. And it's been an absolute pleasure for being the last being the last guest of my time at the and the wee shadow whispers in the night. Yeah, but yeah. you'll be jumping in there again. I know. You'll then, be jumping in yeah. there again. Yeah. Um, so, Karen, can you stay in the background for like two minutes? Yes, no worries. Can you stay in the background for two minutes. So, I'm going to say um, uh, good night to everyone who yeah. watched. A million thank yous for uh, jumping in, commenting, mm -hmm. and uh, having. Um, oh, Jillian, I know a great tour guide. Uh -huh, Jillian. Very good. <laughs> she's, talk she's talking about herself. <laughs> but she is good. Oh, the Lord Jesus, we are going. But she is a great tour guy, so we'll get that done. But anyway, listen, everyone, thank you so much for um coming in with us yep. tonight. Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, it has been a pleasure oh, as always. Yep. Stay there for two minutes. I'm gonna bring you into the background. Fabulous. And uh, we're gonna say good night, guys. Thank you good so night. much. We'll and talk to you later. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.